Well, uh, I want to appreciate all the, uh, the sons and daughters who came with their moms today to church. Uh, it's always a big deal. Over the years, uh, I, I've, told, I've been told by many moms, I hope my son will come to worship. I hope my daughter will come to worship. And some of you did that today, so thank you. Uh, I remember um, for several years, uh, my mom, before she passed, I was trying to share the gospel with her, and I struck out again and again. You know, I really wanted her to be in the kingdom of God. I wanted her to be saved. I wanted her to meet my Jesus. I wanted her to come to life and uh, be forgiven of her sins. Uh, through the, uh, probably the last decade of her life, my mom was often in ill health. She lived down in Mesa, Arizona, but she moved up here towards the end of her life. And, and when she moved up, I was like, yeah, man, we're going to have a lot of opportunity to share the gospel with her. And, uh, and, but it never seemed to work out. It seems like sometimes we'd go down to where she was living, and, and she'd be in chaos. Her life would be in chaos. You, you, if you know my mom, she struggled with some addictions. And uh, it just never seemed to work out. And then we started having kids, and our, we'd take our kids, and when our kids would be sick, or there's always something, always something to get in the way, you know, uh, of sharing the gospel. You'd think it'd be an easy thing. You know, here I am, a pastor. Here I am, you know, supposed to be on top of everything uh, gospel-wise. And I, I struggled with sharing the gospel with my mom. And I would get tongue-tied or I always struggle with whatever, her situation or our situation or, you know, the car would break down or whatever. There's always some hindrance to the gospel. I wanted to be faithful to share the gospel with my mom, um, and I, I, I just couldn't do it. Finally, finally, at one point, I just I gave her a book. <laughs> Here you go. And through that book, she received Jesus as her Lord and Savior. You know, it was just one of those things that over, over, this, the, over my life, I was so frustrated, so, so mm, why can't I do this? And maybe you've been there too. Maybe, maybe you are looking for the right circumstance to share with your, your parents or your children how to be saved. Maybe the gospel is something that you just struggle to get out and find a way to talk about it. Uh, you think there would be perfect circumstances that come along, but very rarely, I found, very rarely do they ever happen. In today's text, we're going to see some professional uh, missionaries, as it were, Apostle Paul and his friends that were put into positions that you, you think that they would be in just the right circumstance, but do the right circumstance ever come along? Uh, I, I would say uh, most of the time, no, <laughs> from our side of things. But will we be faithful people? Will we be faithful to show the gospel no matter what the circumstance? We'll find a way. Will he find us faithful? to be bearers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please open your Bibles to gospel, uh, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16. We are continuing our sermon series through Acts and uh, come to a, just a fascinating section of Scripture here, and I don't have the time to do it justice. Uh, um, there's so much, it's so deep, it's so rich. But you remember last week as uh, Paul and uh, Silas... They, they set out with Luke and Timothy um, from Tros. They, they went across, they're heading across the Aegean Sea from, from Turkey to what is Europe, uh, northern Greece. Uh, God had sent them a vision, especially the Apostle Paul, a Macedonian man, from, a man from northern Greece, come over and help us. And, and Luke says, we, we deduced from that that God wanted us to share the gospel. Yeah, <laughs> and so they head, they head across the sea to Greece, and we pick it up in verse 11. 
So setting sail from Tros, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Nepolis, and from there to Philippi. So they, it's a two-day journey if the wind's right, crossing the Aegean Sea. Uh, they landed a port city, and it's about a 10-mile walk to the town of Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, and a Roman colony, and it was a famous Roman colony. A lot of Roman soldiers, retired Roman soldiers, were sent there to make it a solid Roman outpost. Uh, most, probably 80% of the city is estimated to be Roman uh, retired soldiers, so it's you know, big on Roman ways. Uh, we remained in the city for some days, and on a Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women who had come together, uh, a supposed place of prayer. That, that, that's a euphemism, and that, that's a figure of speech that, that would be, they're looking for a synagogue. It's the Sabbath. And there's no, there's no synagogue in Philippi, apparently. Now, this is really fascinating, because the strategy of the missionaries was to go first to the synagogue. They'd find there not only Jewish people that needed to hear the gospel, but they'd find God-fearing Gentiles. Sometimes the Gentiles almost numbered the, the Jews in these synagogues on the Sabbath. Uh, they, they, don't find any Sabbath in, or, or, uh, they don't find any synagogue in Philippi, so they, they ask around, is there a place where the God-fearers meet, a place of prayer? It's, it's uh, probably meant to be a location where the Jewish folks would, would gather. There's, you need 10 guys to, to have an official synagogue service, but they didn't have one. So anyway, they, they go out, out, out of the city um, by the river to speak to some women who had come together. Verse 14, one who heard, was, heard us was named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, like purple cloth, Thyatira was a famous place uh, where purple dyes were made and all their textiles were purple. It was just... So she came to Philippi as an entrepreneur, as a businesswoman. Who was, she was a worshiper of God, meaning she was a God-fearer. She attended the Jewish uh, ser- services when she could. She had a fear of God, even though she wasn't a proselyte to Judaism. She wasn't a convert to Judaism. But she believed in God. Um, so we met with her. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you judge me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she prevailed upon us. Uh, you would think that uh, the, the vision from, from God about come over to Macedonia, you'd think that everything would go smooth. you think it would be just, man, they'd be lining up to hear the gospel, but they get in the city and they can't find a pre- place to preach. They can't find a place to go that they normally went. They were in their rhythm. Maybe you, you have a way of sharing the gospel. Maybe you don't. Maybe you do. You have a certain way of going about it. Well, they, the apple cart was upturned, so to speak. They couldn't go where they wanted to, so they had to find a place to go. And they, they go out by the river, and they find these women, and they, they start sharing with these women. And, uh, you, know, it's, you know, Luke and Timothy and Silas and Paul... You know, they're, they're, they're used to seeing a lot of things happen. They're used to seeing a lot of action. And may, maybe they're let down by this, by this circumstance. Where's the crowds? Where's, where's the, the energy in the room? Where, where's, where's the, all the excitement? But they go out to this, this place of prayer. A small group of women gather to worship the Lord as they know how. And they share the gospel of Jesus Christ with these women. Now, the gospel is something that we're all responsible to respond to. Uh, As we hear the gospel, if you're here today and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, when the gospel goes out, 
It's your response to repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. But on the other side, we see the sovereignty of God. God opened her heart to believe the words of the missionaries. Uh, the, uh, the heart back in the day was thought of as the place where people made their decisions. And their worldview is the heart were, was the operating center of your, of your life. If your heart was touched, if your heart was changed, you, you went that direction or that direction. So basically, in our terminology, God opened her mind to understand the gospel, to hear the gospel, to make sense of the gospel, to believe the gospel. And she did. The gospel found someone who heard and believed. The gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. The gospel is not bound by circumstances. The gospel is not bound by the right time, the right place. The gospel can change anybody's life, any place, even in this place, when it's heard. Uh, she, uh, you know, how convenient, there's a river right there. And so she doesn't go through a long period of, of you know, being trained or taught about following Jesus. He baptizes her. They, they baptize her right there and then. And later, it seems, they, they, her household, she seems to be a single woman. We don't know if she had a husband or not, but she had a business, and, and she had a lot of maybe household servants. Maybe she had kids. But they hear the gospel, too, and they believe in Jesus Christ. Uh, and then we, we, see, we see in this text her, her faith, the authenticity of her faith is shown by her works. You know, we believe that we're saved by faith alone, but faith ultimately never stands alone, does it? It's proven by uh, our, our works. We don't, we're not saved by faith, or we're not saved by our works, but our faith certainly shows our work. Uh, our works certainly show our faith. And so she invites them to come and stay with them and uh, with her. She puts them up in her house. Um, hospitality, what a wonderful thing hospitality is to use what God has given you to serve others, like a hospital to minister to their needs, to minister to their, their hurts, to minister to their, the things they need help with, hospitality. So she, her, she comes to faith, and then she's immediately serving the Lord in a beautiful way. Uh, I was always, you know, leaving my mom's house feeling like, man, I failed again. I failed again, I, but I, I was looking for the right circumstance. I was looking for the right entry point. I was looking for the right moment to spring the gospel on her. And it never came. There was never this perfect circumstance, this perfect season, this perfect time to speak the words of life. If we're looking for the perfect circumstance, the perfect, cir the perfect setting, the perfect time to share the gospel, it probably never happened. Our calling is to be faithful to share the gospel. And whether it's a messy situation, whether it's an unexpected situation, whether it's a time that's inconvenient... Man, go for it. Speak it. Share the gospel. Let God use your words as He desires. He opened her heart. I, can't, I couldn't save my mom. I realized that long, long before she died, long before she came to faith. I, I couldn't win her. It was the Lord's doing. He opened her heart through the faithful words of an author in a book, not my words. God is faithful when we're faithful. 
Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke, man, faithfully going. And no matter if their situation wasn't right or it wasn't their ideal, they were faithful to serve the Lord and serve these women by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. May the Lord find us faithful no matter what. Will we ever find that perfect circumstance, that perfect setting, that perfect time? I doubt it. God's timing is perfect. <laughs> Let him use you. Share the gospel when you can. Uh, the, 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 the account goes on of this, uh, this season, the second missionary journey. Um, but I, I want to point out to you that this is what we think is the first convert in Europe. Just talking to someone today that in Morocco, went visited Morocco and just the darkness there. And in Europe today, so many things are happening, so many things are changing in Europe. It's the gospel seems to be shrinking, the gospel influence, the number of Christians seems to be shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. But here, uh, God, when he called, uh, when he gave him the vision to come over, he knew what he was doing. You know, that vision that, hey, come and help us in Macedonia. He knew exactly what he was doing, but it seems like the first convert was this, this woman. The right time, the right place, even if it wasn't what they thought was the right time, the right place, they faithfully shared. And from there, through the centuries, the gospel grew and grew and grew. Uh, it progressed, it progressed, it progressed. Nothing could stop it. And Christians faithfully share. Amazing things happen. Lives are changed. Lives are saved. Uh, if you continue on with me in verse 16, uh, this is uh, meant to be like uh, over the course of several days maybe or several weeks. As we were going to the place of prayer, so they, they got it, okay, let's start going back there again and again and again. We were met by a slave girl who had the spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. Uh, in other words, she was clairvoyant. She could uh, look into the future. She had a demon, and uh, she was used, to maybe prostituted by her owners as a way of them making money. Yeah, our, our girl, she can tell your future. And throughout history, uh, in different places, different times, uh, people have always looked for ways to figure out the future, to divine the future, to discover how to go, which way to go, when to go, et cetera, et cetera. And so you can imagine if someone gets a reputation of knowing the future, how much someone would pay for that knowledge, even if it's demonic. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaims to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. I'll pause there again. Uh, so they're in this strange, uh, they're, they're, they're in Greece, you know. We think Luke, maybe this might be his, his town. This is why he met them in Tros. Maybe he knows about the town, but the other guys are, are outsiders to a degree. Um, the local religion, the local ways, they're, they're maybe getting used to it. Maybe, maybe they had come across it in other places uh, in the Greek-speaking world. But, but here they, they meet this, 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 who knows how old she is. It says a servant, servant girl, a slave girl. Um, maybe she was very young. But it, 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 it seems like it's an attack of Satan in a strange way. Um, It would be easy advertising in a sense. Hey, these are the servants of the Most High God. 
They bring you the message of salvation. Every day, this girl is walking behind them or going before them, announcing. And, and unfortunately, everybody else in the town knows where the power comes from. They know there's a spirit there, not of God, but some other spirit. And so Paul has a choice to make. The men have a choice to make. Do we align with this evil? It seems to have some good. I mean, the whole town's getting to know who we are. And yet, does the town see us co-opting with this evil force? Does the town see us participating in what's been done in the past that everybody senses there's a dark spirit about it or something wrong with it? And Paul makes the decision, no. We don't uh, align with evil in the church, even, even if it brings us benefit. We, we don't uh, get yoked, as it were, and we use that in the marriage term, we don't get yoked with evil in the church, even if it means us being popular, even if it means us being accepted by the culture, even if it means us being, you know, receiving the stamp of approval from the culture. Uh, there's several times churches have got in, in trouble in the past with the gospel. Uh, it, the gospel becomes diluted, the gospel becomes um, set aside when we... Uh, want to be accepted by the culture. Uh, we, we, we would, the culture would love us to uh, not bother them with the truth. The culture would love us to, if we, we just followed the American dream as they do without standing up for the gospel. The culture would accept us, our neighbors accept us if we do everything they do without standing for the gospel, without being totally aligned with Jesus Christ and the, the truth of the gospel. Uh, they could have easily gone down this path of Satan poisoning their witness, Satan diluting their witness. It's a sneaky attack, isn't it? And wouldn't it be neat if the town loved Living Water Bible Fellowship? Wouldn't it be great if the county loved Living Water Bible Fellowship? And they will if we... We just go along with uh, being good neighbors, and we should, being good citizens, we should. But we stand for the gospel, or we don't stand for the gospel. We stand for Jesus Christ alone as the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other name by which we must be saved other than Jesus Christ. There's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to be saved. Once you start walking down that road... You're going to become unpopular. You're going to become a fragmenter. You're going to become a disturber of the peace. You're going to become somebody that is an all in it together with everybody else. Paul says at some point, uh, we can't go on like this. We can't be seen by the world as being worldly. We can't be seen by the world as agreeing with the world in all ways. We can't be seen by the world as living for the world or living by the world's power and principles and desires. And so he comes to the point of setting the woman free, setting the girl free. In the name of Jesus Christ, come out! The same thing happened to Jesus, remember? All the times where he would meet demons and they would, they would say, hey, you're, we know who you are, you're the Son of God. And he'd say, quiet, come out. He was never, he was never willing to be used, uh, be deceived by the devil in order to get a little bit ahead. He always wanted the gospel to stand alone. And, and it's the same for 
Paul and Silas and Luke and Timothy. Uh, we're not told about the girl after this. I think Luke wants us to assume that being set free by the gospel because they preach the gospel, she is now a believer. You know, we, we have Lydia being set free, and now we have this girl being set free by the gospel, by the truth. Uh, he doesn't come out and say it, so we, we hope so. But look what happens uh, in, 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 the, in the next section. But when her owners saw that her hope of gain, their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. When they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews. They're disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. Uh, and they had in, 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 inflicted many blows upon them, and they threw them into the prison, ordering that the jail be, be kept safely. Having received the order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. And, and just pause there for, for a moment. Let me unpack some of this. Um, in a perfect setting, in a perfect world, we find uh, uh, sharing the gospel very easy. In the previous section, Satan comes willy-nilly, comes kind of snake-like. He kind of sneaks in and, and maybe indirectly tries to pollute their witness, tries to dilute the gospel, tries to po poison the truth by intermingling worldly ways with the gospel. But here, it's, it's direct Satan's attack is direct upon the men. Now, we, we're, not, we're not sure why only Paul and Silas are dragged. They are uh, maybe the Jews here. We know that Timothy is, is half Jewish and, and Luke is probably full Gentile. Uh, so maybe it's their Jewishness, that the racism of the town, the Roman town, that gets them in trouble. <clears throat> uh, the owners of the slave girl, they've just seen a miracle. How long have they worked with this girl? How long have they seen the Spirit move in her life and make them money? When the miracle happens and she's set free and her life has changed, you can see where their heart is. You can see what their God is. Their God is their money. And it's happened again and again through the centuries. We'll see it, I think, in chapter 19 in Ephesus when the same, same type of thing happens. <laughs> when the gospel comes and it changes people's lives, it sets people free, sometimes that means businesses suffer, suffer loss. Whether it's alcohol or it's drugs or it's different things, when the gospel comes in people's lives, sometimes they're set free in amazing ways and they stop spending money. They stop uh, living in worldly ways. Um, here, the, the, the owners of the, of the girl, how tragic, they say, uh, they, they go on the attack. It's, they're doing what's unlawful. Uh, it, it was unlawful to proselyte Roman citizens. You could, you could be any religion you wanted into the Roman Empire, but you couldn't try to get the Roman citizens to pull away from their Roman gods. That was certainly unlawful, especially in a place like Philippi. But, but they, they, they describe them as disturbers of the peace. Man, they're trying to advocate customs that are not our customs. We're Romans, not Jews. The racism is present there. We're Romans, how dare they? Why don't you magistrates, you praetors, do something? There, there's usually two magistrates in a, in a Roman town. And the crowd is, gets behind it and they... Uh, have you ever, heard, you ever heard the phrase, getting your licks? Getting your licks in? 
Like usually when you get beaten, you've got to get your licks in when, you get, you know, when you're going against somebody. Well, the lictors were the, it comes from, it comes from this, this, this section, the lictors, um, they were assistants to the magistrates, and they would actually carry rods or, for flogging. Uh, and they, Roman, non-Roman citizens, they were often beaten before the trial to get evidence, right? And so the lictors could get their licks in, and they did with these guys without a trial. Uh, the, the understanding here is that there's going to be a trial at some point, and they were trying to bring forth evidence by beating them until they confessed. Well, they didn't have anything to confess here, so <laughs> they end up going to jail. Now, here's, here, th- think, about, think about the circumstances here. Here's Paul and Silas, and, and you know, Luke and Timothy are on the outside watching, but they went there to share the gospel. They went there under the command of God. They went there faithfully and obediently as they were told to go. Don't go to Bithynia. Don't go to Asia. Go to, go to Macedonia. So they go to Macedonia, and you think that everything would open up just right, and everything would just go just, just peachy. It'd be smooth sailing all the way. And, and yet, they, they're put in stocks. And I don't know what the stocks were. You know, usually we think of stocks as some wooden implement with holes for your feet and maybe holes for your arm and maybe a hole for your head. You know, they're bloodied and they're bruised. The contusions on their body, the lacerations on their back, they're not cleaned up. They're just put in there in the stocks. In the name of Jesus Christ, you think it would be easier. You think it'd be, it'd be just, just smooth, it'd be go just fine if, if God sent you there, and yet God sent them there, and they're still suffering. It's rather amazing, an amazing moment. The whole town is, seems against them. The whole town seems to be their enemy. And why are they put into prison? You don't usually get put in prison unless something serious is going to happen. Are they thinking they're going to be put to death the next day? Possibly. It's not something that's just going to blow over. You just can't pay a fine and walk out of there. So it's a troublesome, troublesome moment. Where are you, God? Why are you allowing this to happen? It, it, uh, we can be faithful with the gospel, and we should be faithful with the gospel. That doesn't mean that suffering won't come. It doesn't mean that tribulation and hardship won't come. The gospel, are we going to be faithful with the gospel or not? Are we going to be faithful with the gospel just in... Good circumstances, just when it's easy? Are we going to be faithful in the gospel in difficult circumstances when we can lose everything? I think Luke puts the, this, this section together to show us this lineup of, of difficulty in sharing the good news. It didn't go as planned, even when they entered Philippi. Then Satan comes, and then Satan really comes, and, and they're, they're, they're in trouble. God wants us to be faithful with the gospel no matter what. No matter what circumstances, no matter what situation. Good times or bad, whether, whether it's making sense or not, that this is the time or not. Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. <laughs> uh, isn't that great? Uh, um, you'd think that Paul and Silas would be throwing a pity party. Woe is us. Woe is us. Look at us. Uh, we came in, in the name of Jesus, and, and here we are suffering. And yet, it seems like they realize they have a captive audience. And they witness to the prisoners while they have the prisoners present. It's not about them. 
They faithfully praise God. They obediently praise God. They pray out loud, glorifying God and honoring God. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. And immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposedly supposing that the, the prisoners had escaped. Uh, if, if you lose your prisoners as a guard, uh, you die in that culture, in that society. So he, he says, why don't I cut to the chase? Maybe I can save my family. Maybe they won't kill them. Maybe I'll just take my own life and be done with it, and they can move on. But Paul cried with a loud voice, don't harm yourself, we're all here. Talk about amazing circumstances. Talk about amazing work of God. God God opened Lydia's heart. God set the slave girl free. And here God has kept the prisoners present. Here God has sent an earthquake as a a testing miracle of his power, an attesting miracle of his love for the jailer. And as we'll see, his family... Don't, don't, don't harm yourself. We're all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. Trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Wow. What a, what a great moment. We all, we all wanted to get, I wish my mom would, you know, praise God, she did find the Lord. But I, I was always wishing that she would come to me and say, Jerron, what must I do to be saved? You know, you're so Mr. Joe Pastor or whatever. Tell me. You know, I, I changed your diaper when you were a kid, but tell me. I watched you as a little punk uh, teenager, but tell me how to be saved. I, I always wish my mom would have come to me with that. You know, I, I wasn't faithful to share the gospel with her. Uh, but nevertheless, here, 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 the jailer, I mean, think about the circumstances that line up for him. He, he's saying, what must I do for my sins to be forgiven? What must I do to be made right with God? What must, must I do to go to heaven? There's a bunch of circumstances that have lined up here. Uh, he heard about the, them coming to town. He heard about the, the slave girl going before them and preaching. These are the servants of the Most High, Most High God. They bring the way of salvation. Right? He, he felt and experienced them singing in the prison. He heard their words. He heard the words of life. He heard uh, the gospel presentation, I'm sure. At midnight when everyone else is trying to sleep, they're, they're, they're sharing the gospel. Again, disturbers of the peace. Maybe at times he wanted to tell them, shut up. And then he saw the earthquake. And, and then, when they had the chance to escape, they stayed because they knew his life was forfeit if they left. And all these things came together. They preached the gospel to him in in so many ways. But God gives him grace to know that he is a broken man. Maybe it was at the moment of suicide that he realized what a sinner he was and he wasn't ready to meet God. Maybe when Paul cried out, don't hurt yourself, we're here. Maybe his heart melted. And he said, I need to be saved. And so, and hear the gospel here. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Did they say you have to become a Jew? Did they say you have to do good works? Did they say you have to go on a pilgrimage? Did they say you have to join the right church? Did they say you have to do this or this or this? No, they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. 
Believe in the Lord Jesus. Not Jesus plus, not Jesus in addition, not Jesus and all this litany of things that religious people do. It's believe in Jesus and you'll be saved. And, and uh, you know, if, you're, if your household believes in Jesus, they can be saved too. Man, the, the gospel comes out in a powerful way. God set them up. Sometimes we're looking for the right circumstance to bring the gospel to our loved ones or the gospel to our coworkers. And, and does it ever come about just as we imagine? No, but we need to be intentional with the gospel. We need to be intentional for looking for opportunities. We need to be intentional, ready to share at a moment's note. We need to be intentional. I found in my life that if I just hope for some opportunities come about, they almost never do. But if I go looking for opportunities, if I go intentionally with the gospel to places, it tends to come out. It tends to be heard. But if I'm just kind of like, well, if someone asks me, I guess I'll share. <laughs> These guys, through thick and thin, through adversity, through trial, through things they didn't plan, through jail, they're sharing the gospel. And then the guy says, what must I do to be saved? And so they tell him. What a, what a great moment. And they spoke the word of the Lord to them and all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. So notice before, before he washes their wounds, they share the gospel with the household. That's their priority. It's not about them. It's about the household. It's about lost people being found. And then after the household hears the gospel, he took them that same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. So in the house, they hear the gospel and the family comes to faith. What a great and glorious moment. Then he brought them into his house and set food before him and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. What a great moment of salvation history. What a great moment in these people's lives. Paul and Silas were faithful to share the gospel no matter what. Even, even in suffering, even in difficult times, even in seasons they didn't plan, even in places they didn't expect to be. May we be the same kind of people faithfully sharing the gospel, intentionally sharing the gospel, and letting God do amazing things in people's lives. The gospel is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. The gospel is the means of salvation for all who believe. And so it's our privilege and our honor to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to people, even in messy situations, even in troublesome situations, even in our suffering. Let us be bearers of the word, preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. May God get the glory. Uh, we could keep reading here and you'd see that uh, there, there, there's a moment um, in this section where the magistrates come back and they apologize and, and Paul and Silas are let out of the city um, but not before they go back and they visit their converts. About 10 or 12 years later, Paul writes the book of Philippians to these people. There's a church there. It's a, it's a healthy church. It's a vibrant church. It's a joyful church. I want to draw your attention to, in verse 35 or 25, midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. 
The prisoners were listening to them. It's, it's a glorious moment of peace and joy. It's, it's a moment of contentment, a moment of trust in God. Our happiness sometimes is contingent, it seems, upon circumstances. Am I getting enough money? Am I paying all the bills? Am I healthy? Is everything going my way? Sometimes our happiness is tied to our circumstances. We see in these adverse circumstances that joy isn't a part of circumstances. In the middle of the night, in a sewage-filled, roast-infested, rat-crawling prison, they're rejoicing in the Lord. Trusting the Lord, circumstances have no, no part in that. The gospel takes us to a place of joy and contentment and peace, no matter what comes. And if you go home today and you read the book of Philippians, you'll see again and again how many times it says, Rejoice! Rejoice in the Lord always! Joy! 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 Because as it turned out, the Philippians went through the same experiences that Paul and Silas did. They were abused. They were harassed. They were wrecked by the Romans, and yet they held on to the gospel joyfully and thankfully. And they stood as one man for the truth. And the gospel went out again and again. The gospel, Luke is telling us, keeps progressing even in, the, in adversity. The gospel keeps going forth even in trial because the gospel is not tied to circumstances. It's tied to the promises of God and the goodness of God and the love of God. May we be faithful to bear witness to the gospel and may lots and lots of our family members and our friends and our community come to faith in Jesus Christ. It's possible. It's happened before. Would you please stand in the Lord's presence? Lord God Almighty, thank you for letting us come and be with you today. Thank you, Jesus, for receiving us into your presence. Thank you for letting us sing songs. Thank you for letting us offer to you. Thank you for letting us pray and be in your presence. Lord God Almighty, we thank you for the task of the church. We thank you for the mission of the church. We thank you for the gospel, the message from heaven that comes to men and women around the world, the message of heaven we've been entrusted with. We thank you for your desire to save, that you made a way for people to be saved, that you made a way for people through the gospel to be reconciled to you, to be brought into community with you, to be justified, to be forgiven of their sins. We praise you for that, Lord. Lord, we ask as we've come together with you today, and we worship you today, we ask that you would send us out, Lord, on that mission again. Lord, but you'd give us a, a new perspective on it. Lord, we're always, uh, it seems like we're always looking for the right time, the right place, the right location. And yet the gospel never gets spoken. The gospel never gets shared. God, 
Give us the grace and the power and the desire to share the gospel no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the season, no matter what the time. And may you, Lord, will you open hearts and may you open minds. We open people's lives to you. May they repent and believe. May may heaven be filled with many of our loved ones and friends and neighbors as they turn to you and be saved. Give us that grace, Lord. Give us that power. Give us that desire. And may you get all the glory. May you get all the praise. May you get all the honor. May you be worshiped, Lord, by an ever-expanding, ever-growing church forevermore. We love you, Lord. Thank you for being with us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in the power and the peace and the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ.